Good morning, or as they say here in Germany, Guten Morgen. <laughs> um, I just woke up from a dream. I've been having so many weird dreams lately, just moving to this new apartment. They've been so vivid, which is really cool because whenever I have a dream, I write it down in this dream journal that I keep next to my bed. There are so many weird dreams in here, especially lately. I've had so many crazy dreams. But the reason why I'm writing down all of my dreams in a journal is because I'm trying to train myself to lucid dream. For those of you that listened to last week's podcast, you'll know that I started lucid dreaming as a result of my sleep paralysis. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I highly recommend you do because I talk a lot about the terrors of sleep paralysis, what it is, and how it has led me here today to writing my dreams down in a dream journal so I can be lucid in them, get better control over my dreams, and not be so afraid of sleep paralysis. I've been lucid dreaming for a few years now, and it is such an unbelievable phenomenon. I mean, it has literally changed my life. So I feel like I have to share with you lucid dreaming and how you could lucid dream yourself and how it's been for me. So let's talk about it, shall we? Why, hello there, all you curiosity enthusiasts, and welcome to Little Curiosities. I'm your host, Kendall Long. If you listened to last week's episode, I was talking all about the nightmarish experiences with sleep paralysis, or maybe you've just been trying to forget. <laughs> if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I do recommend you give it a listen because this week is all about what I learned from my sleep paralysis, and that is the wonderful world of lucid dreaming. But if you skipped this week's episode because last week's was a scary one, honestly, I don't blame you. Though with this week, I will aim to make going to bed much less of a nightmare. I can assure you of that. It took me about 10 or more years to figure out how to transfer my sleep paralysis into a more positive experience, and I hope that by sharing my story here with you, it can maybe help anyone who is haunted by sleep paralysis themselves. There is a lot to cover this week, so I'm just going to jump right in. I first came across lucid dreaming from a lecture a friend had sent me from their psychology class, and when I say this lecture changed my life, I'm not kidding, it really did. It was all about the wonders of lucid dreaming, flying, shape-shifting into animals, going on action adventures, and more importantly, it mentioned how sleep paralysis was a gateway into this dream world. I used to go to bed night after night just terrified that I would have a sleep paralysis dream, but after learning about sleep paralysis through the lecture and researching on my own about lucid dreaming, I now became excited and obsessed, literally obsessed with the idea of mastering my dreams. I can absolutely say that my whole perspective of seeing my sleep paralysis as a curse quickly transformed into awe like literal awe at the world of lucid dreaming and what it could open up for me and hopefully you if you train yourself enough. So lucid dreaming. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, lucid dreaming is a type of dream in which the dreamer becomes aware that they are dreaming while they're asleep. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this before because according to researchers, around 55% of people experience these types of dreams at least once in their lifetime. It may be the rarest type of dream one can have, but you can also train yourself to have them. 
well-practiced lucid dreamers have an incredible amount of awareness while in their own dreams. In a remarkable study carried out by Stephen LeBurge, who has been dubbed the founding father of science and lucid dreaming, researchers found that people well-versed in lucid dreaming were so aware, in fact, that they could actually communicate from the dream world. They fitted experienced lucid dreamers with EEG caps, which allowed researchers to detect the electrical activity in the brain, as well as detect when the participants were dreaming. I have a suspicion that maybe they did this so they would know if lucid dreamers were faking it or not. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> and then the participants would drift off to sleep. Now, these subjects were told in advance to use their eye movements to signal their awareness in their dreams, using Morse code to spell out their initials. On a side note, while answering questions on camera and pretending to be troubled by the blinding television lights, Admiral Jeremiah Denton, who was a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War, blinked in Morse code to spell out T-O-R-T-U-R-E, torture, confirming for the first time that American prisoners of war were being tortured. In the lucid dream study, the eyes of the participants were closed, so I'm not sure exactly how they did this, but either way, they were able to spell out their initials to the researchers while in REM state, so that's like the deepest form of sleep, giving the first real compelling evidence that lucid dreaming occurs. After doing my fair share of research on the subject, I decided to lucid dream myself. I was on my way to becoming a one-eye-ver-not, a word that comes from the Greek word one-eye-ro, meaning dream and not, as in nautical, the Greek word for sailor. So a one-eye-ver-not is a dreaming sailor, or a person who explores dream worlds while lucid dreaming. I was so blown away by this idea that I started training right away. I'm guessing that because I have sleep paralysis, my mind is naturally inclined to be in a lucid state while dreaming, so I found that I was starting to lucid dream almost right away, like a couple weeks after I was training myself to do so, and it was absolutely amazing. I can't explain how cool it was to live a completely different life when I drifted off to sleep one where I could shapeshift into a number of things. Like this one time I transformed into a dolphin and I was swimming through waves on a beach or flying up in the clouds or through a city like Superman. And I can interact with the dream characters, like actually have conversations with people or change my location to anywhere I desired, like a sunset beach or the top of a skyscraper that pierces through the clouds or walk through walls, teleport, go from one dream to another, and explore a number of other fascinating things. In this dream world, I can go on epic adventures, impossible in waking life, and even have romances. With lucid dreaming, I was able to turn my nightmares into fantasies, like literally. And yes, I'm going to give you the formula on how to do it yourself, or at least how I was able to accomplish it. Keep in mind, just like anything you learn, practice and consistency is key. For some, it could take a day, others a week, or even months. And don't get discouraged. Lucid dreaming is all about consciously giving the practice importance in your mind. I'm going to say that there are two ways I have learned to be most effective in entering a lucid dream. One is through my sleep paralysis or a trained version of being aware while falling asleep called wake-induced lucid dreaming or wild. Another version is from training myself to become aware of a dream while I am in it, aka mnemonic-induced lucid dreaming or mild. 
There are, of course, other ways to becoming lucid, and I'll touch a bit on a few in this episode, but I'll mainly be keeping to these two methods. I also want to come out to say that the strongest experiences I've personally had while lucid dreaming have mostly been through my sleep paralysis or through wild. In this version, I go through a sort of out-of-body experience where I leave my sleeping body behind in my bed and enter the dream world in a sort of astral body. But even if you don't have sleep paralysis, do not fret. You too can become a when I or not and gain the ability to lucid dream. I just consider sleep paralysis a bit of a shortcut. Okay, so method number one, how to obtain lucid dreaming through sleep paralysis or wake-induced lucid dreaming, wild. If you don't already experience sleep paralysis, wild is a more advanced technique to get lucid. It is 100% possible to train yourself to lucid dream this way if you're not naturally inclined to have sleep paralysis yourself. It involves using visualization meditation to become aware while falling asleep, basically imagining you're in a dream until you fade into one. But it's a bit tricky for beginners, and if you're not used to sleep paralysis, it can honestly freak you out because most times you have to go through sleep paralysis to get lucid. This is why I say that someone who experiences sleep paralysis has a bit of an advantage or sort of shortcut because they don't have to train themselves to meditate in order to become aware while entering the stage of sleep paralysis because their minds naturally do so. I go into more detail later on about how to get in a sort of similar visualization meditation with the mild technique, so I won't go through much of the practiced wild technique here, only because if you're a beginner with this, you do want to start out with the mild technique. That's what I suggest. But if you do have sleep paralysis, this is how you can turn it into a lucid dream. When the body is experiencing sleep paralysis, it is already in the midst of traveling to what I refer to as the dream world. I imagine it's a struggle to pass the border between the awake world and the sleep world. Your mind is in the dream, but your body is stuck on the other side, paralyzed while still seeing hallucinations from your dream. If you're familiar with sleep paralysis and have listened to part one, you will know that these hallucinations can and will at times be very frightening, but I assure you, it will pass. It's when I'm in this state and I feel my body fade into paralysis that I just try to relax. I don't fight the paralysis. I let myself get dragged or sucked into whatever it is that's going to be happening with sleep paralysis. Sometimes I can try to fight my way out of the sleep paralysis and it'll still work, but I found that having a calmer mind and not feeding into the fear helps to weaken the scary shadow people hallucinations. Next, it will feel as if I've woken up. This is called a false awakening. This false awakening can feel incredibly real. I'm back in my bed. It's nighttime. I feel my covers surrounding me. But don't be tricked and go back to bed. Always do a reality check. So what is a reality check? A reality check is a way to test if you are dreaming. This can be a number of things, but here are the easy ones that I do. You can look at your hands. If they are deformed or missing fingers, that means you're dreaming. Or what I usually do is plug my nose with my hand and see if I can still breathe. If I can breathe through my nose while it's plugged, I'm dreaming. Reality checks are very important because the dream world can, like I said, be very real. You can feel, taste, smell, hear, just like in the waking world. The only difference is that in the waking world, you can unalive yourself if you do anything perilous, try to fly or jump off a building. So for me, I always check, especially when I'm about to do something dangerous like try to skydive without a parachute. I know I might be overthinking this because 
maybe it's obvious that you're in a dream, but I always have this weird fear that what if one day I think I'm dreaming, but I'm not, and then I try to do something stupid and get hurt. I don't know. I just feel like checking is the best way to make sure you avoid anything dangerous from happening. All right. So once I perform the reality check and it works, I'm in dreamland. So from there, I just sit up out of bed and walk out my door into the dream. It really is that simple for me sometimes. And I know some people who practice lucid dreaming are probably frustrated hearing this because they're like, I've tried so hard for months to get into a lucid dream and you just can naturally have sleep paralysis and get into it. But look, I see this as the curse that allows me to experience something really beautiful in life. And I had to suffer a lot of years of terrifying sleep paralysis, okay? So let me have this one. <laughs> like most dreams, I find that I can't predict exactly where or what the dream will be. My bedroom door could lead to a mansion full of oddly dressed people enjoying a party or a beach right at sunset and maybe even a winter wonderland with frozen ponds and houses with twinkling lights. But once I'm there, I can explore. Okay, so if you don't have sleep paralysis, this is method number two, accessing dreamland through awareness in a dream, aka dream-induced lucid dreaming. This is that mild technique I was talking about, and it requires some action in the real world, then using some of those same techniques at night. It's possible that you may not need all of these steps to become lucid, but your best bet is to really try them all. Okay, so here are the steps you can take during the day to facilitate this. Step one, dream journal. Keeping a dream journal is simple enough. I myself have a dream journal that I keep right next to my bed with a pen, so whenever I wake up, whether it be a full night's sleep or in the middle of the night, I can immediately jot down what I remember from my dream. Try to do this in as much detail as you possibly can, even if there's only bits and pieces of the dream that you remember. You're trying to train your mind to recognize when you are dreaming. And honestly, you'll find that as time passes, you will be able to recall more and more of the dream or dreams that you have. And this is a sign that it's working. And you'll hopefully start to become more aware of your dreams while you're in them this way. Step two, reality check. In reality, when it comes to reality checks, consistency is key. You're trying to create a habit in the waking life that translates into the dream world that alerts you to the fact that you're dreaming. If you remember, I spoke a little bit about this before, how I would plug my nose to see if I can still breathe out of it. And if I could, that meant I was in dream world. So practicing the habit of reality checking in the real world can transfer to reality checking in the dream world. If you're worried about people judging you because you keep plugging your nose in public, don't worry. There are many other reality checks out there. So one of them is simply asking yourself, am I dreaming? Is this a dream throughout the day? Poking your hand to see if your finger goes through your palm, paying attention to your surroundings so you can practice noticing if anything seems off. In the dream world, objects just won't work the way they're supposed to. Light switches will be delayed or not work. Text will be jumbled or illegible. Mirrors will be distorted and they'll show a different person in the reflection sometimes. Sometimes I've even had a mirror turn into a completely different world, almost like a window into another dream. Clocks will speed forward. When you look up at the sky, are the clouds racing? So these are all indicators that you could be in dream world, or you probably are unless you're crazy. <laughs> Looking at your hands is another common reality check. Are they misshapen? 
Are they missing fingers? I remember looking at my hands in a dream and just cracking up because they were incredibly tiny. (laughs) That was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely in a dream. And if you're thinking, I'm forgetful, there's no way I'm going to remember to reality check throughout the day. Here are a few ways you can remind yourself to keep reality checking. So number one is setting an hourly alarm. So whenever the alarm goes off, you can do a reality check. Ask yourself, are you dreaming? Do one of the reality checks I mentioned earlier. You can also reality check whenever you walk through a doorway or get a glass of water. These are things we do often in the waking world that can remind ourselves to reality check. After a while, these checks will become a habit until one day you do it in a dream and voila, dream awareness. I can look back and remember the first time I became aware while I was in a dream. I was talking to a group of people in a kitchen of some house during a holiday party, and then the conversation shifted to lucid dreaming, like it often did in the waking world because I had become obsessed with it. You could just ask my friends. I literally was talking about it all the time. And when I went to show them the reality check I used to find out if I was dreaming, which was holding my nose to see if I can breathe, it actually worked. I could breathe. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dreaming right now. And they're like, oh, whoa, no way. And I was like, no, really, this is a dream. I was so surprised that my waking life habit of talking about lucid dreaming all the time was actually the reality check that caused me to be aware in the dream I was currently having. It was just so cool to me. Step number three, meditation slash visualization. So people who engage in mindfulness meditation practices are able to gain much more self-awareness. Studies show that this impacts individuals' ability to lucid dream as well. So focusing inward allows us to control our own thoughts much better, which is basically what lucid dreaming is all about. Mindfulness practices also help promote awareness of our bodies and surrounding, which increase awareness in a dream. I won't say I have much experience with it myself, but if you already practice meditation or you're interested in strengthening your abilities in this way, YouTube has a number of guided meditations for lucid dreaming. I've found that a form of visualization meditation that works for me is exercising my creativity. So I do this by visualizing dream worlds in as much detail as I possibly can. And I'll speak more about this later on in this episode. I've actually heard that some individuals get so good at visualizing their dreams that they can trick their minds into having a waking lucid dream. I'm definitely not at that level yet, but it sounds so cool. (laughs) And Tibetan Buddhists call the meditation and mastering of lucid dreams dream yoga or malam. And it's been documented in their practice for at least like a thousand years, so a long time. Buddhist monks see lucid dreaming as a way to expand consciousness, gain self-control, and as part of their path to enlightenment. Part of this practice also includes creating mantras for yourself to repeat during the day and before falling asleep, such as, I will lucid dream tonight. I'm dreaming. This is a dream. I will wake up in a dream. Soon I will be dreaming, etc. These mantras work in the same way that building that habit of a reality check does. Habits in the waking life tend to repeat themselves in dreams, you'll find. After practicing all these steps in waking life, the next step is to utilize all you've learned, that dream journal, reality checks, the meditation visualization techniques, to facilitate a lucid dream with actions you take at night. This is where we get to the method 
mnemonic-induced lucid dreaming, or mild. And it does take consistency and effort and can at times be annoying. And I say annoying because the first step to this method involves waking yourself up in the middle of the night during your REM stage. And if you like your sleep very much like me and you don't like being woken up, I'm sorry. But it's worth it. I swear, lucid dreaming is super cool. So let's get to the final stage of the mild technique. An average person goes through around three to five REM cycles per night, each episode getting longer and deeper as the night progresses. The last cycle of REM could last up to an hour, so that's the sweet spot you want to hit. I found myself going through multiple of rounds of lucid dreaming in this way, which is such an insane and fun experience. Imagine having a portal gun to different worlds that goes off unexpectedly, pulling you from one dream to the next. It's so cool. Now, waking yourself up around four to six hours after you go to bed will most likely be during this last REM cycle. I usually aim for around six hours since that works better for me after trying it out a few times. To do this, I would just set an alarm to wake me up at that exact time. You also want to try to figure out how long it takes you to fall asleep. So if it takes you around 30 minutes to drift off, you'd set your alarm at six hours and 30 minutes because you want to get six hours of solid sleep. Another way to find a good time to set an alarm is to aim to wake yourself up around two hours before you normally wake up. After your REM alarm wakes you up, you will most likely have come from a dream since it should disrupt your REM cycle and that's when dreaming occurs. In which case, you'll want to quickly, and I'll bet very groggily, write down all you remember. This is where your dream journal comes in. This method, like I mentioned earlier, involves you writing down what you remember in your dream or dreams in as much detail as possible. You want to reread it a few times just to make sure you have it in your head. Next, you're going to want to utilize those reality checks. Ask yourself questions like, where in this dream could I have performed a reality check and gone lucid? Any weird things happened that gave away that I was dreaming? Any rules of physics broken like flying? Did you see or interact with someone that isn't with you anymore or most likely you wouldn't be with? Like someone who's passed away or an ex or a certain celebrity? You pretty much want to catch anything that wouldn't happen to you in waking life. You can even write them down just to break down your dream even further. After you have your dream in your noggin, you're going to go back to bed and visualize it in all its lovely details. This is where the visualization meditation comes in. Replay your dream back in your mind and engage in the world you recall in your imagination as if you're still in the dream. Interact with the people you're talking to and the things that you saw and the things you were able to do and even feel the emotions you felt while you were in the dream. Detail is key. The goal is to trick yourself into believing you're currently lucid dreaming. And all those moments that you remember you could have become aware, relive them. But imagine they did get you lucid this time. So if you are flying in your dream, which can't happen in the real world, catch yourself and think, I can't be flying, so this must be a dream. And even if you didn't experience anything off in your last dream, you can always perform one of the reality checks I mentioned earlier. In your mind's visualization of the dream, choose a moment to plug your nose and see if you can breathe, or look at your hands and imagine them different than your normal ones, deformed or with too many or too little fingers. And it's important to feel the emotions of getting lucid. 
when I first become lucid, I'm just rushed with a bunch of emotions of excitement. And I'm like, what should I do next? Where can I go? So this is the kind of reaction you want to feel while you're getting lucid, while you're visualizing getting lucid in your imagination. And you want to go through your dream a few times in this way from start to finish. And this is where the wild and mild technique could potentially cross paths a bit. Because if you are aware, while you're falling asleep, like how you would train yourself to do in the wild technique, you may experience some sleep paralysis or abnormal body sensations. And this could include buzzing and hallucinations. But don't freak out. It will pass, and you'll cross into the dream world like I mentioned earlier in the first technique. But I've personally found that with the mild option, you most likely won't remain aware like most nights when you go to bed, and you'll naturally drift off to sleep like you normally would. When you finally do go to dreamland, chances are pretty high that you'll have the same dream again, only this time you practiced visualizing yourself recognizing you were in a dream, and the outcome switches to you becoming aware as you're dreaming, and this is when you become lucid. So this is when you want to do a reality check just in case to make sure you're dreaming, and then go off and explore your dream. If you're like me and you're reading and researching all these ways to become lucid, you're thinking, why does this method work? Research shows that sleep helps to store memories. A widely held theory about the purpose of dreams says that while you're dreaming, your mind is sorting through all your memories and things you've learned, getting rid of unimportant ones and sorting through complicated thoughts and feelings. A study conducted with mice by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology showed that the brain activity a mouse has while awake and performing tasks like running around in a maze to receive a food reward matches almost exact to the same brain activity while the mouse is sleeping and in a state of REM. I'm guessing that while in REM, this mouse was dreaming about the tricky maze it had to figure out the day before, because the brain activity matched so perfectly, the researchers could even tell and pinpoint where the mouse was running around the maze, and even if it was standing still or moving around based on the correlating patterns from the mouse's brain activity while it was awake. So in theory, the mouse must have been working out the maze problem as it was dreaming over and over again, trying to improve or solve the problem to get that reward that much quicker. This shows that awake patterns create patterns in the brain while asleep. And I'm guessing this may be true for humans as well. And maybe we can explain why we evolved to dream to begin with. I'm almost positive I've experienced this sleep learning a bit myself. While I was teaching myself to play the ukulele, I would practice for about two hours a night before bed, and without fail, when I woke up the next morning and tried to play, I swear I'd gotten like so much better overnight as if by magic. Lucid dreaming is also a learned skill that takes practice, so in this way, consider the mild technique a daily and nightly training session. Now if you're thinking, Kendall, I want to lucid dream, but this sounds like a lot of work and I love my sleep, I feel you. The truth is, lucid dreaming can take a lot of effort, even if you're well-trained. For this reason, I myself will go through phases of really trying to lucid dream, and then have weeks or even months where I don't try at all. But I will say that the experience of lucid dreaming is like a thousand times worth it. And if it doesn't happen right away, don't get discouraged because I believe anyone that truly dedicates themselves to learning something can make it happen. Honestly, if I can teach myself to learn ukulele, believe me, you can teach yourself to lucid dream, so keep trying. On a little side note, I've found that sometimes I'm more inclined to lucid dream when my mind is in more of an aware state. 
This could be brought about by being in a new environment, like when you're on vacation, sleeping in an Airbnb or hotel, since the mind is getting used to this new space. Way back in our evolutionary history, new places meant unpredictable new dangers, so being more aware is an advantage. I've found that I'm also more likely to lucid dream if I have some sort of ache or pain while trying to go to bed, because this leads me to have more awareness of my body. So if you've tried all these methods and you're still having trouble lucid dreaming, there are supplements you can take to enhance your abilities. And this one that I've tried personally is called galantamine, which increases the time spent in REM. It also strengthens your dream recall, leading to increased frequency of lucid dreams. As far as I've researched, it's completely safe and it's an easily accessible supplement. I found some online without any trouble at all, and it most certainly amped up my lucid dreaming significantly. All right, so say you finally become aware in a lucid dream and you're ready to start your dream adventure. I'd like to tell you that it's a boundless world full of endless possibilities where you can do anything and everything. And honestly, in a way, you can. But just like most things in life, there are rules or probably just things to be aware of that allow you to interact with your dream world more effectively. Okay, so here are a few things to be aware of while lucid dreaming. For starters, don't get too excited. I know it's difficult. I know it's exciting, but this can cause you to wake up from your lucid dream. When I first started experiencing the lucid state and all its new possibilities, I'd get way too worked up. And then suddenly I'd start to feel the dream fade around me as if the world would just start to dissolve around me, which was a bummer because it already is a challenge to get there in the first place. But over time, you won't be as excited, which will definitely help. I found that having a plan or a course of action allowed me to control my excitement. Also, interacting with the dream or shifting my attention more often and not fixating on one thing also helps me to have more of a stable dream. If your dream isn't super vivid at first, try physically touching the wall, floor, or rubbing your hands together. For some reason, I found that this actually strengthens a dream that at first can appear to be weaker. Unfortunately, there really isn't much you can do once a dream starts fading away, but the more you experiment with lucid dreaming, the stronger the dream world will become while you're in it. Next, here are some tips on how to fly, shapeshift, walk through walls, change where you are, etc. Now, you may think that once you're in your dream, navigating the world is like a piece of cake, but changing the narrative of a dream doesn't happen the way you'd expect it to, because obviously the dream world isn't like the waking world. For instance, early in my lucid dreaming exploration, I'd attempt to fly, only to find that I was unable to lift off the ground. I kept jumping and failing over and over again. In the waking world, this course of action makes sense because you see birds first jump and then they fly. But in the dream world, things operate differently. In a lucid dream, you have to already imagine you're doing the action before you can make it happen. So if I desired to fly, I learned that I should first start by closing my eyes and then imagine that I'm already up in the air, in the clouds, and only then would I become skyborne. The same thing goes for shape-shifting, changing your dream location, and pretty much every other desire you want to manifest. 
Keep in mind that sometimes there's a bit of a delay from imagining a desire to happen to then actually having it happen. Sometimes I'd try to conjure up people to interact with in my dream, and they wouldn't come the way I expected them to. I'd be looking at a door and thinking, I want someone to enter that door. And then I'd hear a knock behind me and turn around, and there's all of a sudden another door behind me, and people will walk through. So your dreams don't happen the exact way you imagine them. It's a prize in that way, which makes it fun, at least for me. Something I started to do to practice this was to begin each dream by changing night to day, because often I would find myself in a nighttime dream because my false awakening took place at night in my bed. So after I'd walk out of my bedroom door into my dream, wherever it may be, I'd have to switch it from night to day. And I'd do this by imagining it first, which helped me to accomplish other things further on in my dream. And if you keep at it, soon enough, you'll be able to navigate your dreams like a true one I not. I really can't put to words just how amazing this ability is, and I hope this episode has inspired you to take the time to learn how to lucid dream yourself. And there is still so much to unearth about dreaming, since research on the subject has its challenges and is held back largely due to the fact that it takes place in the dreamer's mind. New advancements in technology like EEG caps that can be worn in the comfort of your own home, not a cold lab, have done wonders for dream research in the past few years, so I'm so excited to see what new studies discover. I hope this episode firstly got you excited about lucid dreaming and taught you a lot about it, but also helps you to accomplish it yourself. And if you decide to try it, let me know how it goes and what you discover. Also, if you already have experience, please leave any tips or tricks of your own for others to learn from. The community surrounding lucid dreaming is honestly one of the really cool things about exploring new dream worlds. If you know anyone, and I can't stress this enough, experiencing sleep paralysis and they're terrified of it and they want a way out, please share this episode with them. Also, anyone you know who'd want to learn how to lose a dream, you can also share this episode. It's so cool. I just want you all to experience it for yourself. If you want more of Little Curiosities, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, if you want more updates on all the podcast things, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at It's Kendall Long. I'll often hint at future podcast episodes or get inspired by your comments and questions from things I ask in my Instagram stories. This episode is near and dear to my heart because it was a huge game changer for me, so I really hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to next week's episode on Little Curiosities to see just what sparks my curiosity next. Ciao! Little Curiosities with Kendall Long is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Will Tendy. Music by Kendall Long and Will Tendy. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Galleon, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Galleon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. 
This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.